I'm Meg Dahl, your Unbreakable host. Welcome to the show. friends and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. So I am really excited for today's show and I will introduce our guest and kind of give you an idea of what we are going to talk about today. But first, I feel like I sound kind of like morning voice, you know, that froggy morning voice. (laughs) So let me explain. It is the morning. I have been up since 6.45 this morning. I know that's not super early, but anyways, I have been up since 6.45 this morning editing this podcast episode for you because I actually didn't get to it yesterday. So as you know, these podcasts come out first thing on Wednesdays of every week. So my schedule, what I typically do is I will edit the podcast on Tuesdays just so I can give you a super up-to-date intro for the podcast and whatnot. Yesterday, I had great intentions of editing this show for you so, you know, it could come out just as usual, usually at like 2 a.m. on Wednesday. But yesterday was just such a busy day. I really don't like using the word busy, but we'll just use it for now because it's the morning and I really can't think of another way to put it. But yesterday I did just have a busy day. I was working on some projects for the Nourished and Free community. I had several calls yesterday with clients, um, welcome calls for new Nourished and Free members, and then also a two-hour spiritual coaching call for the course that I'm in with Jessica Flanagan. So I just had a really long day and I didn't finish up until like 7.30 at night. And at that point, I knew that I could spend the next like two-ish hours editing the podcast, which would put me to like 9.30, And I just like debated, okay, so I can either edit this show, um, you know, until my bedtime or I could just wake up as usual tomorrow and edit it and just give myself a couple of hours to just relax and decompress after a really packed day. And I chose that option to just give myself a couple hours to enjoy my evening. So that's exactly what I did. And I thought I would just share that with you because I think it's so easy for us to think about all the things we should do and um, really put high expectations on ourselves and push ourselves and not prioritize loving ourselves and giving ourselves compassion and also prior- prioritizing 
self-care. And I really see that time of relaxation for me personally in the evenings before I go to bed. That is huge for me. And just definitely something that I really prioritize for myself, for my mental and emotional health. And it probably feeds into my physical health as well that I'm not just go, go, go right up until bedtime. So anyways, I just really wanted to share that with you. I'm feeling great today that I made that choice. And this is just your reminder to really tune into yourself and ask yourself what it is that you are needing and what it is that will make you feel loved and taken care of. Because I think those questions can be left to the side sometimes. So that's my personal tidbit for you, a personal story for you today. And leading up to the Christmas holidays, which I am so excited for, I thought that was a really good timely reminder. And this episode is actually really timely as well. J.D. Angles, a really good friend of mine, joins me in this week's episode and she kind of gives a guide or like a navigation and tons of an amazing tools for us highly sensitive, um, empathetic people. So I personally am definitely an empath and a highly sensitive person. So I just loved diving into this topic with JD. And I know so many of like my close friends, my best friend, she's actually one of the first people to, you know, really talk open and openly about being an empath. So anyways, I just absolutely love this episode because JD allows us to see being highly sensitive as a strength and something that we need to accept and love about ourselves because I know there's many of us that are highly sensitive and think of it as something that's lacking or needs to change about ourselves. So let's get to the conversation with JD. It's so much fun and so many takeaways and very applicable to the holiday season that we are in and, you know, going to dive even deeper in within like the next few days. When we talk next week, it will already have been Christmas. So I am going to wish you happy holidays, a Merry Christmas for those who celebrate. And I just hope all of you have a great holiday season and we'll see each other next week. Hey, JD, welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you on with me today. I've been waiting for this for a really long time. Yes, I'm so excited to be here, Megan. I'm so excited to talk about our topic today. I think that your listeners are really going to love it. Yeah. So when you and I first connected, honestly, my first thoughts were, oh my gosh, where has this girl been all my life? I just felt like an instant connection to you. And I know we've referred to each other as soul sisters before. 
And that's honestly how I felt right when you and I first connected. And I think that is just such a special thing. So I want everyone to learn more about you. And for our listeners who aren't familiar with you or your work, would you mind giving us a little bit of an intro to yourself before we dive in? Absolutely. Um, I feel the same way. When I first met Meg, I was like, she just felt like an instant soul sister to me. Um, and it was so funny because just the other day I told you, I just always felt to call you Maggie and that's what Scott called you, your dad. So, um, yeah, I just felt an instant connection. Um, but for me, my background is actually in psychology. So I studied clinical health psychology. I've always been really interested in understanding the mind body connection. Um, and, understanding wellness, like holistic wellness in general. So after grad school, I worked in corporate America as a wellness coach for a while, but I just found the pace to be really exhausting. I was traveling three out of every four weeks of the month and kind of living out of hotels and airports and just really felt depleted most of the time. Um, and I hit kind of a low in my health at the end of 2014. Um, and that's when I actually started seeking out alternative care um, because before then my body was having all these different symptoms like random rashes were popping up and I was feeling massive blood sugar swings and anxiety. And so um, up until then, we had just been treating the symptoms. And then I started working with a naturopathic doctor and she started helping me understand adrenal fatigue and hormone imbalances and helped me start to address those. And I became really passionate about understanding health from like a root cause. And so I completed my health coaching certification through IIN back in 2015 and started seeing clients then. And I also became interested in the more subtle aspects of healing. So I studied yoga and became a registered yoga teacher. And I studied some body work as well. So I studied um, circulatory massage, Thai massage, and craniosacral therapy. And that's when I started to learn the language of energy. And I'm really passionate about that now and applying that in my own life because it's been a massive part of my own healing. Yeah, yeah. And your the work that you do is just absolutely amazing. And I know we are going to dive into so much more in today's episode, but I'm so happy that you brought up the fact that you did call me Maggie. And I just think that's so fascinating because no one calls me that except my dad and Scott, like no one. And so when you shot me an email like last week and it said Maggie on it, I was like, I just need to tell her that that's pretty cool because no one calls me that. And yeah, you just told me that you felt like this pull to call me that or it was like kind of like an intuitive sense that you've always felt to call me that. So I think I would love to talk more about the energy of healing and things like that, what you were just um, talking about. So what does that really mean for people that aren't familiar with energy work and energy healing? Yeah, 
Um, so the way that I've learned about it and come to understand it for myself is that we all have like an energetic field around us and we're always interacting with the energy around us. So other people's energy fields and um, different things in our environment. And so being a sensitive person my whole life, I felt exhausted and drained after being in a classroom or being in a big open space. Um, sometimes I would start feeling really anxious or upset out of the blue, and it didn't feel like it was coming from me, but I didn't know what that was. Um, and I just remember feeling, at least as a little girl, like, almost weak because of it or like inadequate like why can't I stay at a slumber party without getting sick and why can't I stay up late like other people or go do like this task and then this task and then this task and so honestly that stayed with me for a lot of my life and as I got into adulthood I heard concepts like empath or highly sensitive person but they weren't really talked about in a positive light they were more like don't get attached to this title. You'll become a victim to it and all these things. So I kind of just bypassed it and was like, no, I'm not going to go into that. Um, and it was actually when I was studying um, body work, one of my teachers taught a class called Human Energy Systems. And we actually were doing an exercise called energetic gridding, but I didn't know that at the time. So he just led us through this visualization where we were grounding into the core of the earth and then connecting to the highest heavens above us, and then pulling our own energy back behind us. And then he asked how we felt afterward. And I said, that is the most grounded I've ever felt in my life. And it felt like there was an energy grid around me. And he, that's when he told me what we just did was called energy gridding. Wow. So then I was just fascinated <laughs> from that's then on. crazy. And I'm so happy that you brought up being highly sensitive because that's kind of why or you know one of the main things that you and I wanted to talk about today and I just wanted to share some backstory with our listeners so JD and I were actually supposed to record this podcast like the beginning of December and then she shot me an email and just let me know that she was kind of dealing with some health stuff that day and wasn't like feeling totally good, but she was still up to record. And I was also not feeling that great that day. And just before her email, before reading her email, I was also contemplating emailing her and asking her if she could reschedule. So anyways, it was just funny that both you and I were kind of feeling not our best, but we listened to our bodies and we just rescheduled our podcast recording, no problems. And then you told me that your husband calls you a sensi, so a highly <laughs> sensitive person, which I love because I super resonate with that as well. And I totally agree with you that, you know, people that are highly sensitive or maybe empaths, it's not always looked at as like being like a strength or a positive thing. But I really want to use this episode to educate people on how that can be a strength for them versus something that like makes them feel like they're lacking something or that they need to fix about themselves, all of those sorts of things. 
Absolutely. I think that's amazing. I think it really can be a strength. But again, like we were saying earlier, I don't think we're taught how to utilize it that way most of the time. Yeah. So for people who maybe aren't familiar with like what uh, empath is or if they have like a maybe skewed idea of what a highly sensitive person is, can you just kind of like educate us on what an empath is, what maybe a highly sensitive person would be? Sure. I'll be happy to share sort of how I've come to understand it. Um, there's, I think, quite a few different definitions out there and and sometimes distinctions between an empath and a highly sensitive person. But for me, it just um, kind of feels like my nerves are, are exposed all the time. Um, and I tend to be more of like a physical empath. So I take things on physically in my body. Um, so sometimes things would happen for me, like when I first started seeing clients and they would tell me that they had a headache or they had tension in their shoulder, or maybe they were having some stomach upset and I would walk away from the session and start feeling that in my own body and like, what's going on? Um, and also like ever since I was a little kid, I could feel people's pain like really strongly. So if I watched somebody even like stub their toe, I was like, ah, oh, I could just like feel the tingles through my whole body. Mm -hmm. Um, and same when people were feeling like emotional discomfort, like in pain that way, crying and having a hard time. I really took that on, especially with my loved ones, and those close around me when I was little. So that's kind of how I felt being an empath. And then sensitivity wise, um, just really aware of the energy around me and can also be really sensitive to stimulation like lights and sounds um, smells like chemical smells, perfumes, things like that. I just tend to smell them all the time. Like we walk into our apartment, my husband and I, and I will smell what everyone is cooking down the hall. And he's like, how do you even smell that? <laughs> um, yeah. So it's just like heightened, heightened sensitivity. Yeah, no. And that totally makes sense. And it also makes so much sense how someone could see this as almost being like a flaw or something that isn't like a strength about themselves, right? So how Absolutely. can we, how did you maybe start seeing this as a strength? Because I'm sure, like you said, you've known this about yourself since you were a small child. So growing up, did you believe that this is something that like, wasn't a great thing about yourself? Like it was coming from a place of lack type thing? Absolutely. I did. And I really um, felt other than or different, um, kind of isolated in a way. And I let that kind of push me into always trying to be like everybody else. So I was super trying to look like everybody else and talk like everybody else and just be quote unquote normal <laughs> and felt like I was never really succeeding at that, whatever that is. I don't know if anyone really feels normal. Um, but yeah, that stuck with me for a long time. And I honestly think it drove me to some of the challenges that I experienced with my health. Like um, I used to run a lot. I was a runner and um, definitely it tied into like body image issues that I experienced. Um, but it was also a way to clear myself of energy. And I didn't know that at the time. I just knew that when I went for a long run, I finally felt empty. So that felt really good. Um, I've I, for myself, a little bit probably drank alcohol, especially in college, to numb out some of those feelings. And I think that's from what I've 
listen to from other people, a common thing for them is to kind of want to numb that out. So whether we do that through eating or watching TV or alcohol or exercise, kind of not wanting to feel the strong emotions that we feel, especially if they don't feel like they're ours and we're bombarded by it all the time. So it definitely felt like a weakness. And for a while, it definitely felt like um, I didn't have any tools to really be with it. So I just felt like it was something that I had to be with and I wasn't sure how. Mm -hmm. So when did that transition take place from you feeling as though it was a weakness to now seeing it as actually being a strength of yours? How did I make that transition? Yeah. When did that transition take place and kind of like what did that look like? Yeah. For me, it actually happens sort of in layers, like gradually over Mm -hmm. time. So I would say that um, one of my first big like homecoming, like coming back into my body and feeling like it was a safe place to dwell was through yoga. Um, So that was when I was in grad school. It was about 10 years ago now. And um, that's when I was still like running and trying to read research papers while I was running, like just (laughs) trying to stay as distracted as possible a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I took my first yoga class and just really dropped in. And I, it was just wow for me, like instant homecoming. Um, So that gave me a tool to sort of be with the emotions and not run away, to be in my body and remember that it's a safe place to inhabit. Um, And that grew into a practice of breath awareness, which was huge for me um, because I couldn't always go on a five mile run if I'm in the office or whatever, but I could go find a space free of people and take a few deep breaths. Um, So that was really helpful. And then that led into a meditation practice, which was really powerful. And that's something I still practice today, Um, especially practices like um, body scans and guided visualizations. That's been really helpful for me, at least to regenerate my energy and to release energy that feels kind of stuck in my body. Um, And I learned some of those techniques in grad school as well. We learned how to do like body scan and self-hypnosis and uh, we were practicing biofeedback and neurofeedback. So that was a great opportunity to practice on myself and kind of get back in touch in that way. Um, And then it was just kind of self-study until a couple of years ago when I did take that energy work course. And I really spent a year like diving into the language of energy and understanding what my energy field felt like and what somebody else's energy field felt like and when I was in it and when I wasn't. Um, And I didn't intend to do that. I wasn't intending to learn that. It just came into my life and was such a gift for me. So interesting. And yeah, that definitely makes sense. And I think so many of us transition into like a new state of being or a new like mindset in layers, as you said. So one thing that I want to be sure we talk about is the tools. I know a lot of people have emotions. I mean, we all experience emotions, but similar to you and I, there's many of us that basically are bombarded by these emotions because we're so sensitive. But what I loved that you said is like back in, you know, prior to learning about all of this, you didn't have the tools to kind of like cope with those emotions or, um, 
just kind of deal with them and feel them and kind of marinate in them. Um, I'm sure yoga and meditation are two of those tools, but can you talk more about how people who are maybe listening to this podcast episode, if they are having a difficult time, like actually experiencing those emotions, you know, what are some tools that we can offer these listeners? Yeah. Um, I think the first thing that I would offer is just to um, create an opportunity or space for yourself to be with yourself without distraction, whatever that looks like for you. It definitely doesn't have to be a formal yoga practice or meditation, but just some quiet time to be with yourself. I think so much of our day for a lot of people is spent around other people and other things and going and doing and in a rush to get to the next thing um, that we don't have a chance to check in. And that can be really, I think, really helpful for highly sensitive people is to have regular check-ins throughout the day just to see if they're taking on things and things are building up so that it doesn't lead to exhaustion, burnout, and health issues down the road. So something that I do is just set an alarm for like every couple of hours throughout the day. And then I just check in. I just, it takes like, you know, 10 to 30 seconds. Like, how am I feeling? What emotions am I feeling? Is this mine? Is this someone else's? And then a way to quickly clear it, for me, I really like visualization. So I might just write where I am, close my eyes, and visualize like a a white healing light moving from the crown of my head and down through my body and moving out through my feet into the core of the earth, like just clearing myself. And honestly, it's, you know, just a few seconds, but it really makes a huge difference. Um, Some of the other things that can be really helpful are getting out in nature, just taking a few breaths outside, ideally not like on a busy crowded street or something, but in a like a quieter place. Um, Water can be really helpful for clearing. So staying hydrated is really important. And then for me, I love soaking in the bath, like an Epsom soak with some essential oils are awesome awesome for me. And my sister is really sensitive too. And she said, she'll just like sit in the shower and let it pour on her. And that's really helpful for her. That's awesome. So it doesn't always have to be like, kind of, I think what people would think as woo woo. It's just like things we're doing every day that we might not even realize are clearing our energy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm so happy that you brought up essential oils because I know both you and I absolutely love them and they have been super helpful for me, particularly in clearing my energy and just some of even like the beliefs that I've been holding on to or thoughts, feelings. Um, yeah, there's, and I just thought I would like share and you can share if you have some favorite essential oils to use for that cleansing or clearing process. But three that immediately come to mind for me are cilantro. It's an amazing oil to use for like cleansing, um, the body, but We can also use it to cleanse energy and also juniper berry is another great option. That's actually one of my absolute favorite oils to bath in. So I'll like pour a bath and I will add a drop of juniper berry to it and it's just absolutely lovely. And then also, I'm not sure if you've ever tried the blend called Forgive from doTERRA, but it's unreal for cleansing and clearing. It's so crazy. Can I tell a really funny story? Please do. (laughs) Maybe not funny, but, um, 
I just ordered some of the roller Aromatouch um, rollers, and one of them was Console. One of them was Forgive. And then some of my favorites, like the OGs, like On Guard and Digest Them, like they can't go without. Um, but I was planning to give them as gifts. And then I was going through those health challenges last week, and I actually decided to use them for myself and ended up keeping them all. But Forgive was amazing for that. Mm-hmm. Um, because perhaps as maybe some sensitive people can relate to, especially if you do deal with some health challenges, um, sometimes... In the, at least in my process, it's required like saying no, like asking for to reschedule this podcast or maybe taking a day off of work. And being a recovering perfectionist, I can be really hard on myself and just exacerbate the feeling in my body by being so critical and saying, why are you sick again? Why do you need all this rest? And instead, I've been practicing forgiveness, compassion, mm-hmm. radical acceptance, So the forgiveness oil has been really helpful in that process for me, at least. Yeah, I just want to share a really quick thing about forgive and just how cleansing it has been in my life. I was actually having reoccurring nightmares and they were happening every single night or every second night for about three months. I would wake up crying. They were absolutely terrible nightmares, felt so real. And then I took the forgive essential oil and rubbed it on the bottoms of my feet before bed one night with the intention of like forgiving who I needed to forgive in my life. And this was back in September of 2015. And I have not had that dream ever since. And I was having it back to back for three solid months. That's amazing. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So crazy. So I'm happy that you've had kind of like similar experiences with that oil because it truly is so powerful. So one thing that I kind of want to really make sure that we chat about in this episode, because we are getting close to Christmas. You and I are both very sensitive people. I love that your husband refers to it as like sensey. I love that. (laughs) So we are very sensitive people. The holidays are a very busy time. We might be around people that we particularly like don't want to spend our time with. And that can be really challenging. So can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. I think that's, it's like kind of getting thrown into the biggest practice we have all year with like boundary setting and communication and asking for what we need. Um, So for me, some of the things that help me sort of ground into it and go into it with a little more ease is to have somewhat of a game plan, not to be too rigid with it, but just have an idea of, um, especially because I'm traveling, like where I'm staying, um, when I might have some time to go for a walk outside or to go to the gym or just to get out of the space that I'm in and to kind of come back to my energy. And I, that's when I really rely on like my morning meditation, my morning journaling, because sometimes, at least for me, I found it very challenging in the midst of the day to ask for some space. So if that feels like too big of an ask first, first go of going to your family, um, what I would recommend is just, um, even if you get up a little earlier, just to take that first like 30 minutes for yourself to ground into your day, to journal how you're feeling about everything, 
to shower yourself with compassion um, and to maybe do a little visualization or like energetic protection. So that's something that I've used going into big groups is I will put on like an invisible cloak of protective energy, like loving energy around my body and just let your imagination go with this one. So you can visualize a particular color, maybe it's sparkly, maybe it's iridescent and that's just surrounding your body. And it doesn't uh, like block you off from other people, but it can protect your energy, especially if there are people in your life where you feel like your energy kind of gets pulled in and drained. It can be a really nice protective mechanism to have a resource to have throughout the day. And then at the end of the day, um, showering is great to clear the energy. Essential oils are great. And just doing another meditation or a grounding exercise. And Honestly, it's like, you know, maybe 20 minutes at the end of the beginning and end of each day, but it can make a world of difference. Yeah, I am big on kind of like escaping for a while when you were um, describing that situation. And I just have to thank you for being like so visual. I'm such a visual person. So (laughs) I really appreciate that you're not just saying like, oh, just do a meditation. You're actually providing us with some visuals. And I absolutely love that. So thank you for that. But as you were kind of like describing taking some time for yourself, it kind of reminded me of back when a few years ago when we went to Barbados as a family and there was 21 of us. So a bunch, like a huge group of people, um, my parents, friends, a bunch of like relatives and stuff. And we were all staying in this one hacienda and like had like a bunch of different rooms and suites and whatnot. But every single night, We would gather in our place for like a big potluck dinner type of thing. And my mom knows I'm a very sensitive person. And I would just like sneak off before or after dinner for like 30 minutes and literally just sit in my room. And Mm -hmm. for me personally, I don't feel selfish about that. Like I know that I need that or else I'm not a nice person. Like most people think of me as like a very happy person. One of my best friends yesterday called me a real life care bearer. And I thought that was like so sweet of her, but I can be not such a nice person if I don't do those things for myself. But I'm not in the camp that thinks like that's a selfish act. However, I know a lot of people listening to us right now are going to think that what we're talking about is kind of selfish. They're in that bubble of feeling like, oh, well, if I take time for myself, I'm super selfish. So what can we say to these people to kind of like educate them in a way of seeing it as more of like a self-care practice versus being selfish. Yes, I can totally relate to that. Um, Especially if you come from a history or a family of people who haven't honored their needs and haven't asked for what they need. And they're used to just like doing all the time and not, and again, not asking for what they need. It can be a really challenging practice to learn. Um, But the reframe for me that really works is just taking time for yourself to be in your best space, to be in your best energy, um, to be revitalized and clear, that's the greatest gift that you can give to anybody who will interact with you, especially this time of year. So 
if if you're around a sea of people who aren't taking care of themselves, like what a breath of fresh air you will be to that person when you are grounded and clear and calm and not frantic. Um, so that's how I think about it. I guess it gets me out of the selfishness of it. And honestly, what really worked for me is just trying it and seeing how powerful it was and realizing how beneficial it was to me that I didn't come back from vacation or holiday and have to spend two weeks recovering. Mm. I could come back and just get back into my normal routine because I had been taking care of myself throughout the whole time. And for me, that makes it worth it. I love that you said that because yeah, there's so many people that are going to be traveling for the holidays. I mean, I'm not one of those people, but I know you mentioned you're going to be traveling and I know a lot of our listeners are probably going to be traveling. And it's so funny because that is such a common phrase that once they're back from holidays, they feel like they just need another holiday. And it sounds like you and I don't typically feel that way when we come back from places but it's because we like take that necessary time for ourselves yes yeah absolutely and I also like travel knowing myself so I will cut my trip short intentionally so that I have like a day or so before with nothing planned. So I can ground, I can pack, I can do what I need to do to really take care of myself. And then I come back a day or two early before I have anything scheduled again, just so I can do the same. And that has saved me so much stress. Yeah, I was actually just talking to my boyfriend's mom last night and I was telling her whenever I travel, I leave myself like two days of buffer. Um, I used to go to university 30 hours away from where I live now from my hometown and I would always like be flying back and forth from London, Ontario to back home here and yeah, I would always give myself like two days of buffer because I just needed that time for myself for sure. So that's another really important practice for people and another thought that keeps coming up is this can so be applied for moms as well. I I know like you and I don't have children, but I know a lot of moms listen to the show and I just think it's so important that I point that out right now is I know a lot of moms, it's not just us sensitive people that struggle with feeling like taking time for ourselves is selfish, but mm-hmm. it comes to like mothers as well is they need to take time for themselves too. And I think a really great way to see it is it's not being selfish. It's allowing you to be an even better mom, right? Absolutely. And, um, Hopefully she won't mind me sharing, but my sister has kids and she has one young boy who is really sensitive and she just sees a lot of his sensitivity in her. So the way that she's been able to connect to it is that um, she wants him to be raised with a mom who understands sensitivity and can meet the needs of that. So she has to take care of her own and take care of her own energy and replenish herself so that she can do that. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. And that actually brings up a really great topic that we haven't talked about yet. So what if there is a mom that is listening right now and they are picking up on the fact that their child 
is very sensitive. How could they, um, because obviously you know a lot about this topic and energy work, how can a mother work with their child if they are under the understanding that their child is one of the these like highly sensitive people? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, I don't have a lot of personal experience with it because I don't have kids of my own. Um, but from what I've learned, um, it can just be really helpful to give the, the kids space to express how they're feeling. Um, because at least for my little nephew, like he will just cry because he's just feeling and <laughs> his mom will be like, why are you crying? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> so it's really okay. I think, um, in general, our society, we have, we've come a long way and we can still grow a lot in being comfortable with emotions, especially emotions like sadness and anger and things that we often are like, no, I don't want to see that. I don't want to feel that. I don't want to be around that. Um, so I think we have to be big space holders for them to allow them to express how they're feeling. And then just loving them up for exactly how they are. Um, they might have, at least for me as a kid, I had a million questions all the time. Like I was very nervous and I was not okay with a, like a change or a decision until A to B, like A to Z had been explained to me. Like, how is this going to happen? And then how is this going to happen? And so she's noticing that in my nephew right now because they're moving. And so he has all sorts of questions like, why are we moving to this house? What's going to happen after this? So just filling yourself up with as much patience as you can to honor those questions and to calm those anxieties, I think can be really helpful. And then just, um, no two kids are the same, but just honoring their needs for a little bit more rest and perhaps a little bit more alone time. So if like, for example, he goes to daycare or was going to daycare. So if they spend a lot of time around other kids or in environments where there's a lot going on, they may need some time to decompress. Mm -hmm. That totally makes yeah. sense. And would it be right to say that like lack of sleep could exasperate like anyone that is a highly sensitive person? Like, yeah. Big time. I find for myself, I need at least nine hours of sleep, like on the regular. So I think that's another thing that is helpful to release is this idea of normal and that like a normal person needs this much food or this much activity or this much sleep because we're all different and it's going to change throughout the course of our lives. So I found that almost every like norm doesn't fit for me. Um, so if we're trying to live up to that, it can feel like we're constantly failing or there's something wrong with us. So sort of creating our own normal or norm based on our history, I think is the most beneficial, at least for me. I am so happy that you brought that up. And that's actually something that I've been like saying to myself a lot lately and just kind of reflecting on very like a lot in my present day life right now because I, I'm i doing a lot of work with my spiritual coaching certification right now and just coming to see so many beliefs that I've held on to for so many years. And one thing that I realized is when I started dating my boyfriend, Scott, um, I started like wanting to be quote unquote normal and do all of these normal things. And one of those things were like, staying up until the wee hours of the morning, because I just wanted to be a normal person. And now I'm thinking like, 
where did I come to believe that I was not normal or what I was doing was not normal? And when did I come to also believe that like staying up till three in the morning was normal or, you know, like eating a certain amount of food was normal versus my normal? It's so interesting to like dive into those beliefs. Like there's like a whole world of things like it's crazy yes yeah vast ocean of those things yeah totally so yeah I think it's so so important that people do pick up on like okay what am I actually like defining as normal and can I actually like challenge those beliefs too Yes. Amen. Yeah. So JD, I have had such a blast chatting with you today. Is there anything else that you wanted to share with us today? I know you're doing so much um, like research and study in other areas of like energy fields and beliefs and just like the way the brain works and who we are as individuals as well. Oh man. I mean, there's so many things. I think what's coming forward right now is just like, I would love to leave your audience with a couple of resources um, that have really served me. So one is a book and it's by Dr. Judith Orloff. She is a psychologist and she wrote the Empath survival guide. And it's awesome. It's full of a bunch of small meditations. It addresses health. It addresses being around like in work, how you can work with it. It addresses being a parent and also being a child as an empath. So there's so many topics in it and I've found it extremely helpful. I go back to it time and time again. Um, and then you've probably seen me post about this, but another resource that I really love is Yochi. It's spelled Y-O-Q-I and it's um, hosted by this woman named Marissa and she's been studying Qigong for a long time with many different masters and um, she mixes yoga and Qigong. And I honestly find that 20 minutes of that will reset my energy. And if you are an empath out there and you're dealing with like burnout, exhaustion, adrenal fatigue, which was the story of my life for a long time, um, it was the only form of activity that would leave me feel more energized versus being exhausted. So I found those two resources to be huge. That's so great. And something that like both of those resources, I will personally need to look into. So thank you so much for sharing those. But everything else that you shared with us in today's episode, I think it's kind of you mentioned like a survival guide for empaths. And I almost feel like today's episode is kind of like a survival guide for empaths and highly sensitive people around like the holiday and Christmas time. So I think this is just so perfect, especially for this time of year. But one last question for you, my dear, and that is, what does it mean to you to be unbreakable? Mm, I love that question. Um, For me, being unbreakable means being unconditionally, radically, accepting of myself every part of myself I love that so much thank you so much JD and 
I know everyone is just like totally resonating with everything that you say today. And I want everyone to head over and start following you and your work and whatnot. So share with us everything that you're up to and where we can find you. Sure. Thank you. Um, I'm probably most active on Instagram. So you can find me there, just JD underscore Ingalls. Um, I do have a website where I blog, but most regularly, I have a series called The Empowered Patient, um, where we dive into topics like this. And there are YouTube videos as well as um, a podcast. You can find all of that on my in the links in my bio on Instagram. That's the easiest way to find all of my info. Perfect. And I'll link everything up for everyone as well. So thank you so much, JD. We loved having you on the show today. Thank you. Thank you. I loved being here.